Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Katerina Mutanas, founder and CEO of Costarina, a modern Mediterranean lifestyle brand centered around high antioxidant extra virgin olive oil from her native home in southern Greece. Prior to founding Costarina, Katerina was a senior executive at Walmart and Amazon and spent her early career at L'Oreal and in investment banking at Citigroup. In this episode, we talk about Katerina's path to launching Costarina, some of the best lessons she learned from her earlier career that helped her today, what to look for when purchasing olive oil, like early harvest varieties, why the polyphenols in olive oil play a key role in the Mediterranean diet for longevity, how she's creating a lifestyle brand inspired by the Blue Zones and some of her favorite wellness rituals. And if you want to try her delicious olive oils, vinegars, innovative crushed fruit vinegars, natural olive oil-based skincare line, and even a gluten-free olive oil cake, head on over to costerina.com, that's K-O-S-T-E-R-I-N-A, and use code PURELY, P-U-R-E-L-Y, for 15% off. Enjoy. Katerina, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad that we connected after being at Fancy Food Show this past summer um, and excited to hear your story. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled to be just two or three booths down from you guys at Fancy Food. It was a good idea. Totally. And I've been a fan of your product, your packaging, your brand. So excited to get into all of that. But before we get into product, would love to start off with your story and your journey. And what was the original inspiration for starting Costarina? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am Greek American and like very Greek. Um, both my parents are from Greece. We traveled to Greece pretty often because actually my mom worked for an airline. Um, so we flew for free and every vacation that we had, my parents would just like get us on a plane. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So all their, their sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins were all still there. So we were, you know, visiting family any chance we got. And my dad is from a small town in Southern Greece, which is basically in the center of olive country. It's called Koroni, and actually the variety of olives that grow throughout all of Greece are called Koroneiki, which literally means from Koroni. So that tree originates from my dad's hometown. Um, And so that was definitely the inspiration behind Costa Rica. There were definitely a lot more things that happened that inspired the launch of the company, but it was truly, you know, growing up, you know, in that place in olive country, understanding what good olive oil is, living that Mediterranean lifestyle and eating the Mediterranean diet that that was the the true inspiration behind the brand. That's amazing. Okay, so so many questions. Also, I'm sure that you're very into blue zones as it you just triggered I, I started to watch the second or third episode of of that on Netflix. Yeah, I um I heard your your episode with Dan Butner who yeah. also interviewed for the Costa Rica platform. He's amazing. Yeah, the the brand is actually very inspired by the blue zones. So, of course, five areas of the world that have higher than average population of centenarians and two of them are in the Mediterranean. 
Um, one is in Icaria, Greece, which is probably the third episode that you were yeah. to watch. Uh, the first half of that episode it covers Icaria, and it's just gorgeous. And you really understand just how these people live. And I think what you know what I've been trying to do a lot at Costa Rica is trying to blend like all the hard back science and like biohacking with you know what we've learned from the blue zones because they really are very very different although there's some overlap so like for example you know I follow people like Peter Atia and Huberman and um you know really all what, what I would call the scientific longevity doctors and biohacking community and pairing that with the blue zones it's just like such an interesting meld of two very different ways of life that have the same goal with which is longevity Totally. And is that something that witnessing like growing up going to Greece all the time? How did you witness their way of life and how that's coming across in blue zones and all those longevity aspects? It was definitely what you see in the Netflix Live to 100 series. It was my grandfather was a fisherman. He would bring fresh fish back every day. My grandfather, my grandmother would cook it with olive oil, lemon, and vegetables and like wild greens that she would pick from the side of a mountain. (laughs) It really was just so simple. And, you know, no one's like going to the gym and pumping iron. No one is. No one's wearing their aura ring and making sure that their metrics are okay. (laughs) So definitely that, that blue zone lifestyle and, you know, lots of community and like purpose and people helping each other, lots of religion, you know, going to the church for every single holiday. And I think that faith also gives people the the longevity. So it really kind of all contributes. All right. So when you've been going to Greece your whole life, you've been enjoying this amazing olive oil, you're here. And obviously there was some aha that the olive oil that you were tasting here was not the authentic olive oils that you had tasted. So what was ultimately the catalyst for you to want to start this brand? What were you doing prior to starting Costrina? Yeah, it was really when I got married and started a family. So I started cooking more at home that I realized that the Greek extra virgin that I was finding in the supermarket tasted nothing like, you know, what my family made in Southern Greece. We do have a small olive farm in Southern Greece, not enough to support the company today, but that really was the impetus. And we always brought it from Greece in these large glass carafes. And so when I realized that the taste was different, I just became kind of obsessed with finding good olive oil in the U.S. And I ended up signing up for this olive oil sommelier course based here in New York. How cool is that? What is an olive oil sommelier? I know it's a thing. Um, It's not nearly as in-depth as a wine sommelier. Okay. There is a special course where you can learn about all the different varietals of olive oil. You learn how to taste a good olive oil and be able to decipher what is a good olive oil and a low quality olive oil. And I can give you a few tricks if you're interested. Yeah. It's always good dinner party conversation. Tell us a few tricks right now. Yeah, sure. And then I think the other main thing I learned was the health benefits, which really inspired the company. But yeah, the the quick tricks. So there's a few tricks that you want to use when you're shopping for olive oil at the supermarket. And then a few tricks you want to use when you have it at home and you're tasting and smelling it. So in the supermarket, you want to look for a glass opaque bottle, never anything clear and never anything plastic. Um, Clear lets light in and it degrades the quality of the olive oil. Plastic, um, olive oil can be corrosive to plastic. So you end up with microplastics in your olive oil. So you never want that type of packaging. Um, The second thing is you want to look for a harvest date on the bottle and make sure it's from the most fresh harvest because sometimes you can end up with olive oils on shelf from like three or four harvests ago, in which case it's just not fresh and not as potent anymore. So would that be within the year you want to look for that date or? 
Yeah, usually you want to buy within 18 months of the harvest. Uh, An olive oil will last, will still be like very potent within two years from harvest. But, you know, if you're buying it at the 18 month mark, then you have a few months to use it. Yeah. And then, you know, I think the other thing you want to look for on the bottle is single origin. So usually you want it to just be from one country. Sometimes olive oil companies will buy up remnant olive oils from all over the world, blend it, mark, you know, they get bottled in Italy and sold as Italian extra virgin. I would avoid anything that's kind of a mix and look for early harvest. And so that kind of brings me to the health benefits um, that I learned in this olive oil sommelier course, which I'll come back to. But once you have it at home, the big trick is you want to pour olive oil into a glass and sort of bring it to your nose after swirling it around a little, kind of like you would do for wine. And you take in a big inhale and you want to get like grass, green tomato, vegetables, florals. It should really smell like something fresh. Um, You'll be able to decipher the smell of of rancid olive oil and a very fresh olive oil that way. Um, But the telltale sign of a good olive oil is when you sip it, you should get a slight burn at the back of your throat. Those are the polyphenols or the antioxidants that are incredibly healthy um, and contribute to longevity. That's those are some great tips. Okay, amazing. All good to know. And so, so when I was in this olive oil sommelier course, I learned about the polyphenols in extra virgin olive oil. And so polyphenols are essentially antioxidants and they fight against inflammation and olives that are stressed when they are grown. So olive trees like often don't get a lot of water. They grow in very dry, arid climates. They produce these antioxidants to actually protect themselves. And so when we consume those antioxidants, they actually protect us and they're anti-inflammatory and there are literally hundreds of studies. I would say it's undisputed that these types of polyphenols can reduce the risk of all chronic disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart disease. I was really just kind of blown away by the science. And I'll give you like this two minute story of the research that actually discovered some of these polyphenols. So um, there's a researcher named Gary Beecham, spelled like Beauchamp, but I think he pronounces it Beecham. And he was a researcher that was taking uncoated ibuprofen And he went to Italy for a conference and ended up having fresh olive oil right off the tree. He tasted the olive oil and it gave him the same burn in the back of his throat as the uncoated ibuprofen that he was taking for research. And he brought the olive oil back to his team and had them taste it. And his lead researcher said to him, why did you put ibuprofen in the olive oil? And he was like, that's just it, I didn't. And so they discovered these compounds that literally act like man-made ibuprofen, but come in this like very natural organic. Wow. That's so cool. I love that story. Yeah, it's really cool. And I just felt like, you know, the Greeks have kind of known the power of olive oil forever. And I wanted the US consumer to learn about this as well. So what were you doing in your career before starting this? Because it's obviously a big a whole big thing to leap into this. What were you doing? Yeah, it was a big shift. My career has been focused in finance, but also in retail and e-commerce. So I spent four years in investment banking in New York and London. Um, I then went back to get my MBA. After that, I worked for L'Oreal, really moving into the CPG space. And I was doing new brand development for L'Oreal before jumping into startups. So it was after that L'Oreal experience that I really fell in love with startups. I worked at a company called Quidzy, which was sold to Amazon. And then I worked for Jet. Um, I was an early employee at Jet, which was sold to Walmart, Um, both times working for a very iconic New York founder and mentor of mine named Mark Laurie. And in between those two e-commerce experiences, I um, started my my first startup 
um, which was called Manicube. And we did um, manicures and chair massages in corporate offices. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Very different world to, from today where people actually went to an office every yeah. day from eight to six. But yeah, that was an amazing experience as a first time entrepreneur. So what would you say were some of the lessons that you learned through each of those steps in your career, which all sound like we could have an entire podcast about probably each experience, but what were some of those lessons you learned along the way that really helped you to start this business and give you the courage to try something new? Yeah, a few things. I mean, I think my experience in my MBA program where I saw female entrepreneurs kind of doing what I sort of always dreamed of allowed me to like see it in order to see that I could be it. That was really the first step. Then, you know, at L'Oreal realized I loved CPG, loved thinking about the consumer. You know, before that I was in big finance and, you know, I never really thought about the end consumer. It was really all like financial engineering. And this was my first time saying like, okay, what makes someone want a product? What makes a product good? And, um, you know, L'Oreal, I think is one of the the best brands to kind of teach you that and in a formal way. And then my experiences at Quidzy and Jet like made me fall in love with startups. It was just so fast moving. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I remember my first day at Quidzy, I walked into my boss's office. I I covered the beauty industries, uh, the beauty category, sorry. And um, I said, I'm thinking of reaching out to these brands. What do you think? And, And she said, why are you asking me? Like, just go. And I was like, oh my God, I can just go ahead and do things here. Like, I don't need permission. I don't need approvals. And that was just incredibly exciting and just so much more fun. Um, so really fell in love with startup life. But uh, both of the companies I was working for, actually all three in a row, got got acquired. And so I was like a big companies again and, and really just wanted to go back to small, small brand life. And then how about when you had started your own company and had that first experience with Manicube? Yeah, it was. Um, I had a co-founder at the time, which was an incredible experience. We started it together. We were learning on the fly. I had never managed things like marketing or PR or operations, hiring, HR, legal. It's you just really learn. It's a crash course in every function, if you will. And you know that was in- incredibly valuable uh, to launching Costarina for sure. And then my final experience right before launching Costarina, after the acquisition of Walmart. Um, I started talking to our founder, Mark Laurie, about starting an internal incubator where we would launch brands that were owned by Walmart, but also sold direct to consumer online. Um, It was just sort of the way the world was going. Those D2C brands were so cool. They wouldn't sell to retailers like Walmart at the time. Now the whole environment is very different. Yeah. But it was just an amazing um, crash course in launching a brand and how you do that online, but how you also have to be omni-channel and that D2C is not a business model anymore. It's just a channel. And so I think, you know, learned all of that firsthand across those experiences. Well, so many. So when you ultimately decided that you wanted to launch your brand, your second startup, for you, was that a space where you were like, okay, I have this idea and I'm just going to go for it without fear because I've had so much experience or what were you kind of going through as you started to launch the brand? Yeah, it was kind of the opposite of what you just described. I envy people who can do that. But it was, um, I launched Costa Rica really as a passion project first while I was in my full-time role. So I, you know, um, identified the producers that I wanted to work with. Um, have a, I have a partner in Greece who helped me with the bottle and all the operations in Athens. And um, I launched the company to 200 people that were in my Gmail inbox on a Squarespace site that I put up. 
you know, it just began to grow organically from there. It was something that I hoped would become, a, you know, something that would warrant my full-time focus, because I, but I wasn't sure if it would. And what happened was it, you know, friends started to tell other friends that, you know, that first year, I think every email address in Shopify or Squarespace, I knew. And then <laughs> all of a sudden I started to recognize, see names that I didn't recognize. And um, there were kind of two turning points that made me realize like that I could leave my full-time role to focus on this. And one was I ran an NPS survey. It was a small customer base, but um, the NPS score came back at 100. Which is like amazing that you knew what an NPS score was, but most most founding entrepreneurs have no idea. <laughs> Maybe just share for people who don't know, what is an NPS score? Yeah, so NPS is um, a measure of how likely your customer is to recommend you to friends or family. It stands for net promoter score. And um, I remember in previous jobs, we would be super happy if our NPS was in the 50s or 60s. And so, right, like 100 is unheard of. Yeah, but it was a small customer base. I think we probably, you know, probably 50 people responded to that survey. But to have everyone be a promoter, which would mean that they're nine or 10 likely to recommend you to a family or friend, I was like, wow, people really do love this product and they're buying it again and again. And the loyalty is there. So, yeah, so that was one impetus. And then the second, like, really amazing thing that happened was Whole Foods reached out. They found us on Instagram and were interested in our olive oil. And I was like, oh, wow, like, first of all, I can't sell to Whole Foods and be <laughs> an employee somewhere else. So that was, you know, one major turning point for like deciding to focus on it full time, but also just so exciting to be able to put it on shelf for, for you know, 500 stores and, and all those customers. Wow, that's amazing. So what was the time then from when Whole Foods reached out to you quitting your job and getting into Whole Foods? And it sounds like you got it nationally right away. Yeah, it was the national buyer that had reached out, but we didn't have the supply to su to support a national launch. So um, I asked if we could do three three regions at first, and then we could expand the following year. And that's what we sort of worked up to. Um, but it was probably a six month process because once they reached out, there were like a few conversations, and then there was like the line review, and then you know the the products hit the shelf several months after that. That's amazing. So as you talk about having enough supply, let's talk a little bit about where you're sourcing. So you mentioned that you have a partner in Greece. Um, how do you go about sourcing? You said you, you can't source all of it from your family farm. So what does that look like? And how has that process been as you've grown? Yeah, so we source from all over southern Greece, which is where I'm from. And we only source one variety of olive oil called Koroneki, the one that originates from my hometown, just because that's the one that I think tastes the best. <laughs> and um, it also happens to be very naturally high in polyphenol content. Um, but we work with several partner farms in Southern Greece that meet our parameters, which are high polyphenol content, all organic farming methods, and Koroneki olive oil. And so um, my operations manager in Athens is someone who helped me broker some of these relationships and meet those producers. And so we did that first tour and sort of met producers. Then, you know, every harvest we go back and we, you know, meet new producers so that we're ready as we grow to bring on additional supply. You know, I think eventually we'll source from all over Greece. We, we do think of ourselves as a Mediterranean brand. So as we grow, if we need to, we can go to lesser places like Italy and Spain. Um, I'm totally joking. The olive oil there is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we can source from other countries in the Mediterranean as well. So as you mentioned just about the quality of the olive oils and where you're sourcing from, can you touch a little bit upon some like misconceptions about olive oil? Because I think there's a lot of that like hidden bad oils that are happening in the olive oil industry just to shed a light on that. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, there is a lot of fraud in the industry. So there was a study done now 13 years ago in 2010 by UC Davis that showed that 70%, it was actually 69, 69% of all olive oils on shelf that said they were extra virgin were actually not, which meant that they were either rancid and therefore didn't qualify to be extra virgin or that they were cut with something else. So they would put other oils like seed oils, which are much cheaper, vegetable oils, um, sometimes chlorophyll to make the color change. And they just weren't pure extra virgin olive oil and therefore didn't have all those health benefits that a true extra virgin olive oil would have. And then there's a lot of companies that will, like I said before, buy up remnant oils from all over the world from previous harvests and sort of blend them together. And the healthiest oil really does come from a single source and a single variety. And just so you know what you're getting. So there's just a lot of like trying to get to the lowest price possible. Unfortunately, olive oil has been a commodity category for a long time and people just buy the cheapest one or the private label. And that's why the quality of the olive oil in this country has been so poor. That's super helpful. So in addition to olive oil, you also are selling some amazing vinegars, Mm -hmm. some skincare, and this cake, which I didn't realize you were selling this olive oil cake, cake, which I was on your site last night. I was like, (laughs) oh, I got to buy this cake. So (laughs) let's talk about some of your other product lines and how you got into those as well. Yeah, well, we truly think of Costarina as a wellness lifestyle brand, and we want to be able to touch people across many different categories in the way that the Mediterranean lifestyle really does span so many different aspects of life. And after the olive oil, uh, our original extra virgin olive oil, which is the white bottle olive oil launched, um, we decided to launch flavored olive oils. So we have a garlic, a Greek urban lemon, and a spicy olive oil in addition to what we call our everyday, which is the olive oil that we recommend for cooking and baking because it's slightly later harvest, which allows us to get to a more accessible price point. One other fun olive oil fact is that when you squeeze an unripe olive, like an early harvest olive, not a lot of juice comes out. That's what makes it more expensive. You need 12 pounds of olives to make one bottle of this type of olive oil. Wow. And so if you wait slightly later harvest and they're more ripe, more juice comes out. So you can still get very high polyphenol content olive oil, but at a, at a more accessible price. Um, so that's what we did with the blue bottle. And then, yeah, our line of vinegars is all authentic vinegars from Italy and Greece. So we have three balsamics and then we have these three crushed fruit vinegars in the smaller bottles. And those are really fun. Those have Those were kind of a response to the trend of drinking vinegar for blood sugar regulation purposes. And so we developed these, they're all made with white uh, balsamic and white wine vinegar, and they're sweetened with fresh fruit. So you can literally put them into seltzer or use them as a cocktail mixer, in addition to you know salad dressings and things like that. And then skincare, you know, our skincare originated because olive oil has been used on skin and hair in the Mediterranean for ever, literally thousands of years. It's deemed like the safest and most efficacious moisturizer. It's has healing properties. And so we really just wanted to create this basic line of very clean skincare, leveraging olive oil for hydration and antioxidant protection. What's your favorite of your skincare products? It's really the newest one. So it might be recency bias, but I love our body oil. Our body oil is like, so smells amazing. It gets absorbed by your skin super fast. And like, if you put it on right out of the shower, you'll just be moisturized all day. And you have like a little bit of that Greek glow, which I love. I love it. And what's your most popular flavored olive oil? The garlic is popular. Um, I would say the spicy is a cult favorite. Like people who love spicy food love the spicy olive oil. (laughs) 
And how about favorite vinegar? Hmm, that's a tough one. I really love our original balsamic that goes on every salad. And then for cocktail mixers, I love our tangerine crushed fruit vinegar, Casamigos, tangerine vinegar and seltzer. That sounds amazing. <laughs> All right. We have to make that. Okay. And then the cake, where did the cake come from? And yes. And since you asked about the cake, so the reason we make our extra virgin olive oil cake is because we want to teach people that baking and cooking with olive oil is delicious and so much healthier. It's really the whole impetus behind it. It's not like we're trying to be a baking company. Um, Olive oil cake is so delicious. And this cake in particular is just like moist and delicious. It's not too sweet. And it's the perfect kind of like bring to a dinner party gift or, you know, have with your afternoon coffee. at All right. PM. I got to get it. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to send you one. I'd love to send you one. Right. Amazing. So as you talk about the brand really being this wellness kind of lifestyle platform, how do you... For yourself, have you always been into health and wellness and how is that kind of infused into your life? I think I um, really started on my wellness journey when I became pregnant and was trying to just like make better decisions for myself and my future children. Now they're here, thankfully. And I just got became really interested in wellness content and learning about how I can make those decisions. Like I still always wanted to eat really good food, um, but and, and so I wasn't willing to make deep sacrifices, but I did decide that I was going to start taking care of my body and my health, you know, for my children's sake and started listening to people like Dr. Hyman and mind body green. And, um, you know, then came onto your brand and brands like purely Elizabeth that can help make those decisions easier and thinking about, you know, being gluten-free and, you know, should I be eating dairy? So um, that's really where it started. And it did coincide with the launch of Costa Rica and sort of understanding the health benefits of that and sort of putting it all together. Like if you come to CostaRina.com, you'll see most of our content is very wellness focused and isn't only about nutrition. It's also about movement or lifestyle. So yeah, really started when I became pregnant and I have three children. So I was pregnant for a little while. (laughs) How old are your kids now? They are um, four, five, and seven. You got it. Your hands full. So, okay. How I'm sure everyone wants to hear how you, I never use the word balance, but how you are managing having three kids that age and running the business and doing all the other things in your life to feel your best. I think it really just takes planning. Um, I have to just sit down at the beginning of each week and map out who's taking who, where, and when the doctor's appointments are. And then I can, you know, make my work schedule. I think having, um, you know, being the founder of the company actually helps me manage my schedule in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I wasn't, uh, ironically. So while I'm sort of always on and feel like I'm always working, I am able to fit in all the family responsibilities that I have. I also do feel like my kids give me balance because, you know, at 6pm when our nanny goes home, who by the way, you know, we're so lucky to have her because she's what literally makes us makes it possible for my husband and I both to work full time jobs. Um, but when she goes home, you know, I'm on mom duty and I'm spending time with my kids. And so I can't work from six to 9 p.m. Yeah. You know, if I need to come back on later, I will. But yeah, it's, it's kind of you kind of just have to try to do what you can. And um, I do think like exercise and health and wellness is super important, too. So I try to make time for that as well. Sometimes it comes out of like work hours where maybe I'm like on an hour walk, but still on a conference call, which, you know, happens a lot as well. So try to try to double up and multitask. I I think that's such a good tip to, you know, if you have the ability to not be sitting in front of Zoom, which 
at this point, I feel like I'm trying to get more meetings off of Zoom, but it's so hard because we're so accustomed to it. But if you can get off and take a call outside on a walk, it's just so wonderful for your mind and body. We, we asked the whole team to make sure they do at least one walking meeting a day. And so we actually put it in the Zoom right now. It says like, you don't have to be on Zoom, like you can be walking. So I find that helps us. I love that. I'm going to take that tip. Okay. Any other tips like that that you have? <laughs> Um, I mean, we try to do, you know, any sort of events or I, I think we're also just like sharing content all the time. Like I tried this thing, like, oh guys, I'm rucking. Have you tried rucking? Like what's the right rucksack? Or like we have a, in Slack, we have a community uh, or we have a channel called stuff we're into, um, that we also sometimes publish in our newsletter. And so that's where I put like my cho- peanut butter chocolate, um, purely Elizabeth granola, which I'm obsessed with now, or the coconut cult yogurt that we're all obsessed with because we kind of shared it with each other. So the, our world internally revolves around like wellness content and brands and food and movement and lifestyle. That's so fun. Is there a brand that you would love to partner with? I mean, I just said coconut cult. I think they're my number one right now. Yeah. Do they put oil in that? Like, could that be a cool collaboration? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't think there's oil in their yogurt. I think it's made with it's made with coconut. Right. But it could be good drizzled on top. Yes. Or we do have these like amazing fruit vinegars or balsamics. So right. Yeah, I'd love to get in touch with the founder to ask him. I've been following him on TikTok and I became a subscriber a few months back. And just like every flavor is amazing. And I really do feel like it helps the gut, the probiotic benefits are real to me. What else do you do in your day to set you up for success and feel your best? Any morning routine, night routine? I don't have like the most, I don't know, the most sort of enviable morning routine, but um, I do, I have like shifted my life over the past you know year to 18 months to really focus on exercise. Um, so I started training at um, a place called Tiger Shulman's that does like kickboxing and MMA. And so I do that two to three times a week. That's fun. Yeah, that's been fun. And I ran my first 10 K this year. I was never sort of like a long distance runner, but trying to get those runs in I'm on Strava. Um, and then some weight training. Um, I have a Peloton downstairs and a set of weights that my husband set up in our gym. Um, so yeah, I think it's really fitness and exercise that I've been trying to integrate much, much more. What would you say is some of the best advice that you received that's helped your business? It's tricky. So I think the best advice, so my inclination is definitely to over-innovate, as you can see from all the products in our line. And a lot of people say, why don't you just stick with olive oil and just try to get your olive oil everywhere and be like the best olive oil brand? And, you know, my, my first answer is that's just not the brand that I wanted to build unfortunately, uh, like that probably would have been easier from a business standpoint. Yeah. And and sort of my second answer is, you know, in order to be a wellness lifestyle brand, I did feel like we needed to have an array of products and like really show, have a reason to have all this different content on, you know, food and wellness and touch people in their bathroom and also in their kitchen. And so I think the best advice has been like, hey, why don't you just have one product? Because that's helped me have 20 instead of 100. <laughs> yeah, I could not agree with you more. I feel like I, you know, never wanted to be pigeonholed as we're just a granola company or whatever the product category was going to be. And it's so hard to not innovate and like constantly come out with more, especially wanting to really create this platform brand. 
which I think you definitely have. I mean, you, you guys are in quite a few categories now, right? And have had success in so many. So you're the model. Well, I don't know about that, but we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was up to me, I mean, without having consequences, I'd be like, that's the in 10 categories. Yes. <laughs> you know, then you have to deal with how to be in 10 categories, but in an ideal world. <laughs> yeah, what's been some of the most challenging parts for you in growing the brand at this phase? I think definitely the operational side, um, definitely through COVID, we had our challenges. We couldn't find glass anywhere oh, in the world. We, um, there was a major glass shortage that like hit us for like a year after we were launching nationally in Whole Foods and literally had no bottles. So what'd you do? Yeah, we were literally calling everyone around the world who makes glass to see if we could find a bottle as close to our silhouette as possible. Um, we ended up being able to buy bottles from a supplier um, one of our olive oil suppliers actually, who had a, a similar bottle, unfortunately it was like a different cap. So we couldn't use our cap. And then there, there was an, other issues downstream, but, um, we got through it, but you know, we didn't have the supply that we needed at that time. And we're constantly out of stock and things like that. Um, and I think some of those operational issues, not pandemic related, but, you know, always pop up and continue, um, you know, like the sample that you received with the label comes out different in the first production run and just trying to deal with all of that. And when you do sit across so many different categories, it's it's hard. I, and I always say to my team, if we succeed, it will be because of operational excellence. For sure. So as you talk about the bottle, you have such beautiful packaging design. Yeah. What was the process for coming up with the design, the name, all of that on the branding side? So the name Costarina is um, a mix between my husband's name and my full name. So my full name is Katarina. My husband's name is Costas. And it was actually, um, it's it's kind of cheesy to talk about, but it was our wedding hashtag. You know, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so <laughs> it was our wedding hashtag. And I, when I wanted to start the company a couple of years later, I wanted it to like sound Greek and I wanted it to stand for family, which it did. And um, I already owned the URL. So I went with it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And then the, the process on the packaging was truly that I knew I didn't want it to look like all the other olive oils. Like if you walk into the olive oil aisle now, it's a sea of sameness. They're all brown or green and they have olive branches on them. And I think that the Greek aesthetic in the US is very much focused on like the Greek diner and that blue and white coffee cup. And it's there's so much more to Greece than that. And what people know is like the Greek aesthetic. So what I've always told my team is we are the opposite of that. We're the modern Greek aesthetic. So think like Mykonos and Santorini and Naxos and those whites and blues instead of, um, you know, the Greek mythology or, or, you know, the Greek key. So um, that was the initial brief for the bottle. We wanted it to stand out on shelf, but also communicate that we're a Mediterranean brand. And um, yeah, went through a number of different design iterations with the designer that had worked for me at my previous startup, Manicube, as a starting point. Um, but I think the other unique thing we did in branding is we actually branded everything in the line at the very beginning before any of it existed. And it was really sort of like, okay, if we were to be in this, these categories, what would it look like? It's not exactly the same, but it is very close to sort of that initial deck from 2019, where we kind of laid out what it could all look like all together to make sure that everything was cohesive and made sense. That's super interesting. So from the beginning, you definitely envisioned then that you we're not just going to be olive oil that you were going to be cross category, get yes. into beauty, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what else do you have on your <laughs> mind for some other categories? Um, well, we do have olives launching very soon. <gasps> oh, that's amazing. 
They're very delicious jarred olives and they're all fermented. So um, they taste amazing. They're pitted. You can snack on them because they're actually dry packed. So you can literally snack right from the jar or pour them right into a salad. But the fermentation process, so these olives are naturally cured. And I get really excited when talking about this because growing up going to Caroni, my grandmother always had olives curing in the sea. So she literally would tie a bag of olives from our home and they would be curing in the sea for months. Wow. That's the natural curation process. And when you do that for six to 12 months, there's a natural fermentation that happens. And I'm always trying to get fermented foods into my diet, but I don't like love kimchi or sauerkraut. And so to be able to get that with olives, I think is a huge benefit. So I'm super excited about the the olives we have coming out and they'll be in three different flavors. That's so cool. Congratulations. And I don't know that I've heard of anybody doing that before. I think this sounds like a first to market. I hope so. You know, there are probably are other fermented olives out there, but um, generally olives in the U.S. are very low quality. Like when you think about those black hidden yeah. like chopped olives that people put in salads or sandwiches, they're just there's no taste and you're just missing out on so much taste, flavor and health benefits from like a real Greek olive. Wow, that's awesome. All right. We're going to jump into some rapid fire Q&A. <laughs> If you could have some Costarina olive oil or vinegar with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? My gosh, that's really a tough one. Um, I mean, Oprah's coming to mind. (laughs) Great one. (laughs) Yeah, she's just, I mean, I think I I was just listening to um, Arthur Brooks. He wrote a book with Oprah and it's coming out recently. And he was talking about how she's, exactly how you pictured her um, from the show, like generous and kind and outgoing and calm. And, um, you know, she has such power in helping consumer brands come to life. So I think I'd want to share it with her. Sorry, I know that wasn't rapid fire. (laughs) No, 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 that's totally fine. Three things that you're currently loving could be product, TV show, book, anything. Um, I'm really loving my Purely Elizabeth chocolate, peanut butter, granola. I'm really loving my coconut cult. I know I've mentioned both of those already. Um, I'm loving, um, and just like that, the new sex in the city. I know some people didn't like the first season. I'm really into it. I love those characters kind of grew up with them. Um, so loving that I loved live to 100 on Netflix. Yeah. Those are some things coming to mind. Oh, also elements. I love, um, element, the hydration packets been using those daily. Me too. What's your favorite flavor? I do the orange and the lime kind of interchangeably. Oh, I haven't tried those. Mine are raspberry and watermelon. Okay. I, have, I don't think I've tried those. <laughs> Favorite wellness hack? I think walking and talking is one for sure. Um, I also really like rucking. So I feel like on an off day when I'm trying to just have a rest day, I can still get like some weight training in by just putting on the 20 pound backpack and going for a walk, listening to the podcast. Can you just quickly describe what rucking is for those who don't know? Yeah, rucking is essentially just walking with weight on your back. And so um, you can buy a rucksack or you can put 10 pounds or 20 pounds of something in a backpack and go. Um, The rucksack is good because it distributes it evenly. And it just like, you know, puts some weight on your body. So you're essentially like doing some light weight training while walking. And what weight range do you typically do for that? 
I have a 20 pound plate, um, but I, I listen to Dr. Peter Atia a lot and he says you should um, go higher than that. I think by his calculation, I'm supposed to be carrying like up to 40 or 45 pounds, Wow. Um, which, you know, maybe I'll work my way up to that. But for, for now, 20 pounds is good. And are you doing that on a flat surface or are you kind of hiking with that as well? Um, I do it on some light hills, nothing crazy, okay. not hiking with it, but I think people do. I unfortunately don't have good hiking near where I live. Right. You guys don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of I got to get one of those. <laughs> what do you want more of in your life? Hmm. I want more friend time. I feel like between like the company and, you know, my kids and family life, I just don't see my friends enough. So, and everyone's so busy that even when you do have like a day, it's just hard to line yeah. up. Um, so I hope that time will come again. A favorite book or podcast for growth. I really do have a lot of favorite podcasts. I think my absolute favorite is Mind Body Green, just because it's sort of like digestible wellness content. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take, it's not like too in-depth scientifically. It's not like a three-hour exactly. podcast, <laughs> which are great, but <laughs> uh, a meal that you'll never forget. I remember a Michelin star meal that I had at a restaurant in Barcelona that I'll never forget, which was like, just things that you would never imagine tasted good together. Um, like I remember they brought out this golden egg. I don't know what was in it, but I don't think I'll ever forget that meal. It was amazing. Favorite Costarina moment? Hmm, probably um, early on in our uh, in our life journey of Costarina, we were on the Today Show and um, uh, we were on a segment called She Made It and the sales just went crazy. We did like over $100,000 in sales in the first 15. Wow. And then we ran out of every piece of inventory we had in our warehouse um, after the first airing. And then it aired like in three other time zones across the US. So we you know, ended up collecting this wait list. But that was a major moment for us back in 2020. Wow, that's incredible. The power of PR. Mm -hmm. And lastly, what's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? I think walking, at least, you know, at least walking, like getting some movement in every single day. Like I'll probably never not walk like 8,000 steps a day. I was going to say, do you try to get to certain step count or you're just going? Yeah, I try to get to eight, 8,000 every day, not always the 10, um, but yeah, I'm aiming for eight every day. Okay. A question not on rapid fire, but if someone were going to Greece, where are the must go-to spots to visit? Gosh. Okay. Um, so you definitely want to stay in Athens at least a couple of nights. You want to do like the Acropolis and see some of the central Athens highlights. I love Mykonos. Everyone's like, I don't want to go to Mykonos. It's too touristy, but it's touristy for a reason. It's really the best nightlife, restaurants, beaches. You have everything there. Santorini is also a must-see because it's just incredibly beautiful. And then I love a resort in southern Greece, in the Peloponnese region where I'm from. It's about an hour from my town, um, and it's called Costa Navarino. And it's just a really, really beautiful resort in what I would call true Greece. Like, you know, it's not a super touristy part of Greece. It's really sort of in the middle of a rural area. Uh, so, yeah, Costa Navarino as well. All right. Well, we're going to look up all of those. That sounds amazing. So in closing, where can everybody find you and anything else that you haven't shared? Yeah, we are on Instagram at Costarina. We're on TikTok at Costarina E-B-O-O. -O. I'm also on TikTok, Extra Virgin Mama. 
<laughs> um, anything else we haven't shared? No, I think just that we're super excited to sort of the, the brand stands for health and joy. And I think the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle is the perfect vehicle for both. And so we just want to, you know, we think the people of the Mediterranean have a little something to teach us about how we can live better and healthier and longer. Love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. So fun to catch up with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.